In the holy name of Jesus. In the 80th Psalm, the Psalm that we have just prayed a few moments ago, we join our voices with those who waited for Christ's first advent, his first coming, when he came as Emmanuel on the first Christmas. We join our modern, present voices with theirs as we say, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Stir up your might and come to save us. How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You have made us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. All this language, the bread of tears, tears to drink in great measure, stir up your might, wake up, why don't you? Is as if to say, you have not been there for us. You have let us go. You have let us fall apart. You seem angry, even with our prayers. Later, in the part of the psalm that we didn't get to pray today, uh, it says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. That is, you brought Israel out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and you planted Israel in the promised land. Why have you broken down its walls? so that all who walk along the way can pluck its fruit. This is a psalm of discontented frustration, of confused frustration. They who pray are crying out seemingly in vain to a God who used to care. But that was a long, long time ago. Now it seems that same God who led his people out of Egypt and made all these promises to her has grown deaf to her, has become disinterested in her, distant, even angry, and the worst kind, silent angry. Between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book of the New, is a chasm of 400 silent years. God's prophets do not speak. God's word is not heard for those 400 years. And all the characters of our gospel today, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, all these who pray this 80th psalm, they are the few, the belittled, the ignored, and the abused. They are faithful, even stubbornly so, but their patience has become frayed. Their hope has grown cold, nearly extinguished. In their day, the wicked prosper. In their day, their own rulers prefer allegiances with foreign entities to them. In their day, even their own high priests, the pastors of God's people, have led them astray. You might remember Zechariah. Remember the story of the angel coming to Zechariah in the temple to tell of John's, John the Baptist's coming birth. Remember, Zechariah can't even bring himself to believe it. Here it is, an angel visiting him, bright as the sun. 
and he can't even believe the words spoken to him from heaven. The prayers of this 80th Psalm uh, in our Gospel uh, and in our prayers today are losing hope. And they're losing it quickly. Even the faithful who eagerly wait for the Lord have grown cold. Of course, we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. It's easy to kind of uh, forget, it's easy to focus all of our Advent energy on Christmas. Um, but actually, Advent is, is largely about the, the coming of Christ that we still wait for today. Christmas is historically past, right? The coming of Christ that we long for and prepare for and pray for is his second coming. Uh, the coming when Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. So Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, and Joseph are meant uh, in our readings to teach us by means of the first advent to prepare well for the second. To teach us how to wait upon the Lord who is coming. He promises he's coming, though we do not know when. And these teach us how to wait, how to wait through you know, wickedness, through evil days, though the wicked grow rich, though the righteous seem to disappear. He will come. And the wicked will be judged according to their deeds. The rulers of this world will find themselves awkwardly on their knees. He will come to cast down the mighty from their throne, proclaims Mary, and to exalt those who are of low estate, he will come. But we learn, of course, from St. Luke, that even for those faithfully praying for that day, as Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, and Joseph have been, waiting on the Lord is trying. It is difficult. It's hard. And you, no, I don't need to tell you that. Uh, What are you waiting for? Waiting for Christmas and all that will be under that tree? Probably. Are you waiting for just a break? Maybe a vacation, or maybe you feel like you need more than a vacation. You need a, a real break. Or maybe you've had too much of a break. Maybe you need work, or different work, or better work. Or maybe you're just waiting for your family to, to finally be able to come and see you. Or maybe you're waiting as uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were, waiting and waiting and waiting for a child to come. Or maybe you're waiting for a spouse to finally come along. Maybe you're waiting for peace in your home or community or world. Or uh, maybe you're waiting for something that you even care about at all. We wait for things. That's what we do. We live Advent lives. And Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph show us how. There are a few things to notice. There's probably many more. Uh, One thing to notice is they do not wait in place. They continue to do what God has given them to do, has called them to do, even though he hasn't given them or called them to everything, perhaps. Zechariah wanted to be a father, and God had not made him a father. And so what does he do? what God has called him to do. He is a priest. He prays. He offers incense. He collects sacrifices. He carries out his calling. He does not stop. Also, um, Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah do not stop praying. And they, they don't just pray by themselves. 
They clearly pray together, and they also pray with God. They pray along with God. They pray according to God's word. We know this because the song of Zechariah, which is called the Benedictus, uh, the church often prays that in the morning, and then also Mary's song, the Magnificat, is often prayed in the evening. Um, Both of these, uh, today they would be brought up on plagiarism charges. If there was copyright in the first century, um, they would be caught for plagiarizing, you know, much of the psalms in their songs. They pray consistently, uh, but they do not pray uh, only from their own resources. They had desires for themselves. We know Zechariah had a desire They have things that they wait for, that they long for, but they did not just pray endlessly for the things that they themselves wanted. They prayed also God's words, like we just have this morning, which, and these words of God, led them to pray also for what God wanted them to do, what God wanted them to have, and at the time that he wanted it for them. They let their desires... To be, they let their desires be shaped by God's desires through his word. And they also did these things together as God's people. Mary, notice, seeks out Elizabeth. She goes all the way rambling through the hill country of Judah. Mary seeks her out because she's a relative, of course, but also because she shares a common faith in the one who is to come. They are both among those who pray the 80th Psalm. They are both waiting for the Christ to come. We are also waiting. And we are also crying out. We too live in an unjust world. We too are anxious and afraid. We too doubt whether God has anything waiting for us at all. But this is the key to waiting, and this is the key, therefore, to Advent, to realize that waiting is a God-given practice. Waiting is, is something that God uh, causes for us on purpose. God desires us to wait because waiting does something to you. Waiting does something holy to you. Waiting is a means by which God shapes you and forms you into the image of his Son. It has the ability to make us different than what we were. Do you remember what a mess the disciples were on Easter? In the upper room, they're locking themselves away. They're doubting everything that they hear. They are afraid of the authorities, of course. You would be too. But they're also afraid of Jesus. They're afraid of what he might say or what he might do. They're unsure, even when he appears to them, they are unsure of how he will treat them. Because the last time they saw him in the Garden of Gethsemane, they had forsaken, denied, and betrayed him. They had fled from him who had called them his friends, and now he was coming for them out of the grave. And they weren't so sure that was good news. What would he say? What would he do to them? How would he treat them who had treated him so shamefully? Treated him as if he was nothing at all to them? Well, 
Jesus comes to them that Easter, that first Easter evening, and he says, what does he say? Peace be with you. He says, peace be with you, and then he says, why are your hearts troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. He says, see my hands and my feet and the holes in them? See my hands and my feet and the love that I have shown for you? What I endured for your good? He says, do not be afraid. So this is what the first advent of Christ means for us today. All the way from birth, all the way through his resurrection. Christ comes in our flesh to be born, to suffer, to die, to rise again. He comes to love us so that we will be able to wait for him. And so we do not wait alone, and we do not wait without any assurance. We have the wound. (laughs) We have the Jesus who came once for us to suffer for our good. And we also do not wait in place. We do not wait silently. Remember Zechariah. Priests must continue to be priests. Husbands continue to be husbands. Wives continue to be wives. Mothers, fathers, siblings, brothers and sisters, daughters and sons continue to do what you are called to do even as you wait for what you hope for. And all of this live in faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. And by faith, by that love that Jesus has shown you, by the love we read of again and again this time of year, by knowing what he did for your good, you can know that all things he does for you will be for your good in all times. You can know that he loves you and therefore you have the strength to love, even when it's hard, one another. Jesus, in his birth, his death, his resurrection, he himself is the fuel for our waiting. And as we dwell richly on his first advent, all that he came to do for us, we will be ready for his final advent. And when he, that is, when he comes at last to rescue his people from sin, from death, from the power of the devil, and not only visit earth himself, but when at last he brings all heaven with him. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.